Welcome to Power Surge by the Center for Industrial Progress. I'm Alex Epstein, joined by Stefan Henn uh, in Germany. Je Stefan, welcome. Uh, hello, everyone. All right. Let's do top three stories of the day. So one is that there's this issue of, do we call it global warming? Do we call it climate change? And there, there's an update on this. Stefan, what's, what's the news? Um, yeah, there's a new report out... Um by the Yale Project on Climate Change Communication and the George Mason University Center for Climate Change Communication. And um, they have summarized uh, actually three studies uh, that deal with um, the question, what's a better phrase, uh, climate change or global warming? And uh, they generally found out that um, global war warming is a quote-unquote more alarming phrase and... Um, it leads to more willingness to action by U.S. citizens. And the results differ a bit between um, left-wingers and right-wingers, of course. So I find it interesting that the focus is not on clarity or what things mean, but on what will most alarm people. And presumably they're not choosing the one that will alarm people less. Yeah, and it's... Uh, Another interesting thing about this is that uh, some commentators actually criticize this because they said it essentially stands for the same thing. And um, I found this curious because um, words do have meaning and they should be clear on what they mean by that. Because climate change might be any change of the, of the climate as defined by long-term averages of certain variables in the weather patterns and you know global warming means that the entire earth is on average warming at least so it must have different meaning if the english language has a meaning yeah although i mean the i'd say the best case for using the term climate change is to the extent it means climate change induced by global warming because the, the basic idea is uh is warming but of course then people, uh, the problem, so my sense is that uh, you can see how global warming would be more impactful because it, it, it lends itself to more consistent imagery just of everything getting warmer and we're getting like Venus. Uh, the problem with it is that then people look at reality and they see, okay, well, what does this mean? It's not much warmer and it might even be cooler in any given place. And it's, it's an, it's a very, very mild average trend that manifests itself in fairly mild ups or downs and I don't care about it that much whereas then climate change in the common thing can then be mapped to hey anytime I don't like something that's happening in the weather it's quote-unquote climate change so it's in, in both ways they're 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 trying to distort reality and the question is is which misrepresentation works better and it seems like global warming works better except it's more easily refuted by uh reality especially when it's not warming yeah global warming is a bit more specific but both terms are very vague so you can you have enough wiggle room to interpret it either way yeah but, uh, one point i want to make about this that is going to apply to the other stories today which are going to be about global warming slash climate change is just um the obligation of scientists in particular, but then anyone who's dealing with it, to, to think precisely. That means precisely identifying what is the phenomenon, what is its magnitude, 
what is its what is the nature of its impact on human life and then how does that fit into the big picture of the the benefits of the co2 emitting energy and we see time after time is that there's absolutely zero desire to do that there's a desire to intimidate people into particular policies without truly considering the magnet the objectivity and nature of the threat and then the you know the magnet the risk uh, of of restricting cheap plentiful reliable energy and thus um, to whatever we can say it is not a scientific it's not a scientific process and it's not a process that's focused on human life and with that in mind let's go to the next story so President Obama gave a speech to uh, West Point graduates yesterday now this is West Point graduates well are significant on this program in many many ways but uh, those of you who are Ayn Rand fans I hope as most of you listening to this uh, you know, she gave a, a legendary speech. It might have even been, it's quite possibly could have been 50 years ago. I want to look that up. Um, but it was called Philosophy. I'm going to look this up just for fun or to be horrified that those are the two juxtaposed speeches. Um, oh my gosh, yes. This is, well, they seem to graduate earlier because it's West Point, March 6th, 1974. Oh, so it's it's 40 years ago. Um yeah, so that's that's. There's a book called The Philosophy Needs, which is great, and then there's a particular essay, which I'm sure you can find online, and that was all about well, how to think, how to think in fundamental, big picture terms about your life and what will benefit and what won't, and well, this is particularly depressing. So uh, well, I'll let Stefan say what what President Obama did on the 40th anniversary of this uh, speech. Well, yeah, the speech in general was about uh, foreign policy and its strategies and, you know, defending uh, intervention in Syria and so on. It covered a lot of topics. Um, but he also connected the threat of climate change um, to military strategies uh, and challenges for the military of the future. And um, we've seen reports by the U.S. military and from think tanks related to uh, national security in the past that uh, sounded somewhat alarming about the challenges of the U.S. military in the future with climate change. Um, yeah, and he also uh, called for uh, leading by example. Um, the U.S. should adopt uh, strict climate change policies um, to lead by example for other nations um, because apparently you cannot expect uh, China to follow the U.S. if the U.S. is not um, destroying itself by stringent climate uh, climate change rules. Yeah, I'm sure China is. I'm sure China is going to be just lusting to follow our example if we impoverish ourselves um, and force ourselves to live on on much less. I'm sure they'll. They'll follow that example. I and mean, one thing we've noticed about you know many countries in Asia is that they've followed good elements of of Western countries, the elements that lead to um, industrial progress. So if, if we embark on things that obviously do the opposite, um, that's well, I mean, good for them to not follow it. But you know, you and I both live in the Western world, so um, yeah, not <laughs> not a good thing. Just looking at, at this story, it's again the issue of just completely 
unscientific, non-human focused approach. He doesn't discuss at all the fact that, say, energy is important to human life and particularly important to foreign policy and that in a couple of ways, I mean, you know, most of all, most directly because you need oil to win any kind of war, but also because prosperity in general is a force for peace. So if you look at conflict around the world and you think, well, what, what would be one, one way of, of stemming that or, or of, of dealing with that? Um, or what would be a force that would, that would limit that or minimize that? Well, certainly for people around the world to be more prosperous would help. Now, it's certainly not a sole cause, um, but it is certainly a hell of a lot more important and, and valuable particularly because it would come along with more pro-freedom policies uh, than, <clears throat> than climate. And so what Obama is assuming here is that climate, the, the negatives, negative consequences of using fossil fuels uh, via climate are of unlimited, <clears throat> sorry, still getting over a cough, unlimited negative magnitude and that the positives are of zero positive magnitude. And that is almost the exact opposite of uh, of the truth. But if you think this way, you can attack something that is relatively trivial, or you can attract so attack something uh, rather that is completely indispensable and that you would be devastated if you lost or even lost a significant percentage of in the name of something that's almost trivial and make it seem like you're doing something heroic that you should get a good legacy for. Uh, any thoughts on that, Stefan? Um, yeah, just to add some specific, um, President Obama was referring to, he said that, you know, um, in the future, the U.S. military will have to deal with, deal with uh, refugee flows, natural disasters, and conflicts over water and food. And I found this interesting because these are specifics um, where we do not see that the climate change in the foreseeable future will lead to a shortage of water and food. But especially restricting things like oil would certainly um, lead to more hunger in the world. And for example, just take a look at the uh, global trade system. I mean, one of the reasons why uh, you know nations today are more likely to trade with each other than to wage war against each other is uh, the global trade system. Trading is much more efficient, much better than you know taking assets from someone else like conquest. So if you, you know, restrict something like oil that fuels a global trade system, this will certainly uh, make it less likely to trade and more likely to wage war against each other. I mean, another way of thinking about this is that there's a, you know, a global problem, so to speak, of, you know, lack of energy or, or energy poverty, we can put it as. And President's, uh, President Obama is not acknowledging that problem, which is a, a large problem or, or a large opportunity, depending on how you look at it. And he is very openly promoting energy deprivation policies as if those are merely sort of costless ways of protecting yourself from the weather versus, no, in fact, things that endanger you in every respect, including protecting yourself uh, from the weather. Which brings us to the last story today, which is the Obama administration, quote, unilaterally imposing carbon dioxide emissions trading systems. What does that mean, Stefan? Um, yeah, in the next coming days, uh, the Environmental Protection Agency will probably unveil regulations for existing U.S. power plants. 
And um, this will probably implement a carbon trade system through the back door. Um, and it will affect existing power plants, especially coal power plants. Um, now, in a carbon trading scheme, uh, the power source like coal, which emits, you know, far above average CO2 per unit of energy, um, will will be burned with cost because it has to buy a lot of carbon allowances from other energy sources that do not emit CO2 in the United States. Um, and we don't know the specifics yet. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce uh, made some calculations um, how much it costs, but they can't actually know what exactly the rules will look like. So this is speculative so far. We'll see in the coming days, early next month. I just want <clears throat> to... I'm wondering if it's a common phenomenon, but it's certainly true here, that um, as governments become more dictatorial, the press that supports them has to use more and more euphemisms to disguise it. So use its executive power to unilaterally impose carbon dioxide emissions trading system. What the hell does that mean? It means the Obama administration is dictating that we cap and trade, which is... Uh, a horrible policy that was fortunately rejected by the U.S. Congress, and so you know it's it's dictating something that was um, you know was rejected by the lawmaking body, which is uh, which is Congress. So this and it's just I mean this is it's it's if you look at what part of what's wrong with dictatorship is that it is. What, what's always happening is that an individual or a group is, in effect, saying what, what you guys would do freely, what you the people would do freely with your own lives, your own money, your own time, that's wrong. And I can't explain to you why it's wrong, or I can't convince you why it's wrong. Um, but you shouldn't be living your life that way, and I can't even convince a majority of you to vote that that way, which wouldn't prove anything if I could, but still. Uh, and therefore, I am going to tell you what to do with your life. Now, what if we think about what is the likelihood that that type of person with that type of mentality is going to give you helpful guidance? Well, in any given case, almost zero. And in general, uh, there's a complete zero percent chance. So what, what's always going to happen is that rapidly irrational policies that people have a sort of uh, faith-based or religious or mystical confidence in will be imposed on all of us, and that's exactly what's going on here. If we see these these different stories, there's this there's this um, dogmatic belief that there's this day of reckoning coming from CO2 emissions. There's this dogmatic evasion of the value of the energy that far outweighs any risks of those CO2 emissions, if there are any. Um, but it's just it's just this religious belief that there's this sin that we're committing, and that I, President Obama, need to have a legacy where I fight this sin, and I'm connecting it irrationally to everything bad in the world, even though there's no cause and effect there, and I'm willing to take massive actions to sacrifice people. And part of what protects us against people is a government that protects individual rights. It it leaves this kind of irrational mentality on the sidelines to sort of be on a street corner and say, hey, stop driving your car, and you, he holds a sign and you ignore him, assuming it's not a private street that you can kick him off. But this is where people like, in terms of these views, President Obama and John Kerry, and people who want to forbid us from taking rational actions to improve our lives, they should be relegated to the realm of unpersuasive people on, on the sidelines. 
uh, but instead they're they're being put in this position of dictatorial power in part because we have not only anti an anti energy mentality but an anti freedom mentality in the entire structure of our government. What we're seeing is that these these bad trends are going together because there's an anti energy trend, really more fundamentally an anti human anti industry trend, um, and then an anti law trend, as we talked about yesterday and, and today, that the, the government is progressively uh, lawless. And then so much of the intellectual class is just using euphemisms to pretend that this isn't dictatorial behavior. And even openly talking about, well, how do we manipulate people better? Or global warming or climate change, uh, is that going to push people's buttons more? Because we're not getting enough buy-in. Yeah, we're we're able to dictate these things, but that's not even fast enough for us. So how do we, how do we get people uh, to swallow this? And, and this is all the exact opposite of what, what you need. You need a government ruthlessly devoted to pro uh, toward protecting freedom, toward liberating individuals to improve their lives, including via energy. Um, and if you have, you know, if you believe that there's some sort of serious large-scale risk, you have to demonstrate that using very precise thinking and um, and keeping the whole context of the the benefits and risks of the costs involved, and so this is exact. That's what a rational approach is. This is a rapidly uh, irrational approach, and it manifests itself in manipulation uh, and dictatorial behavior. And that's not a very happy note to end on. But it is. We need to, to at the very least, we need to be able to describe what's going on uh, in order in order to deal with it and not not allow this kind of irrational manipulation. Uh, Stefan, I went on for a while. Any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, there's just, uh, not just in relation to CO2 regulations, uh, there's this notion that this massive and complex government um, is just in favor of the forces that want to, you know, push through certain agendas. And, um, you know, if you lose a vote in Congress, let's say in the Senate, as it happened in the United States uh, for CO2 regulations, uh, then you can fall back to the courts or to the bureaucracy or whatever, or any, any single vote by a majority of citizens in any place. And uh, that's a very bad development. It shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be, um, you know, if even if you would change the government and get a different majority, then you still have the bureaucracy in place that was there last year, and you still have the judges in place, and they can essentially always incrementally, um, yeah, increase uh, the force of the of the agenda push. So you're never even if you vote uh, fundamentally the other way around because you see the negative consequence, it will take many years to get rid of the, you know, top bureaucrat officers and the judges in place and so on, put in place by, um, for example, the Obama uh, administration, and to reverse course. It's very hard to fight this once it's in place. And one one final thing is is it's it's interesting that the, the way in which these policies are discussed are not in the form of hey we've got some potential problem we've got some important issue let's openly debate it and figure out the right legislation to pass or not pass about it it's okay everyone knows that we need to be restricting this stuff ten times as much as we do and the question is can we get it through you saps 
and can we get it through the special interests? And it, it has this quality of a crusade. And in a crusade, you don't you're not persuading people. You're just you're just doing whatever you can. It's a it's a holy war where you're doing whatever you can to manipulate, dictate, whatever to get this through. And that that's that's the high ground that's been given so irrationally to the people on the energy restriction side. That that any that they are idealists fighting for something good, and it's just a question of well, how much of the ideal can we pass now? But there's no issue of hey, wait, maybe these guys are completely uh, and fundamentally wrong, and maybe it's it's good that they get their policies get jettisoned uh, by by Congress. All right, we are just over 20 minutes. We'll try to keep it to that at max. Usually more like 15. Uh, hope you enjoyed today's show. Again, give us feedback, alex at industrialprogress.net. Stefan, thanks for coming. Thank you. Bye. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon.